going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? I'm your Pody. It is Friday, August 12th, 2022. This is episode 181 of This Week in Sports, and I really don't have the energy on this Friday night to talk about everything that just went down between I mean, first off, let me back up. I'm off today. It's Friday. It's supposed to be a good day. I wake up a little bit late this afternoon, a little groggy, a little tired, a little bit of a, a headache, made some breakfast. All's good in the world. Playing some MLB The Show. Finally getting out of my little slump. Won a couple games in a row. And I'm looking forward to this evening. We have the Jets and Eagles preseason opener. We had some the first preseason games uh, last night. I'll get to those in a moment. And so you got the Jets against the Eagles. Get to see, I was just last week, last Saturday, I was at the Jets green and white scrimmage, saw some good things. Liked what I saw from Garrett Wilson, Conklin, Uzama, Brees Hall has looked really, really good. So looking forward to this year. Jets the most bet over of any win total in the NFL last time I I checked, the five and a half win total, most bet over, which that schedule is a bit grueling, so I wouldn't I did not touch it. And then you've got my slumping Yankees. Two and seven headed into tonight in the month of August, blowing games left and right. Clay Holmes can't throw strikes. The 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 Yankees can't seem to score runs or get out of their own way. They lost um they just lost a brutal game to the Seattle Mariners, um, dropping that. They 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 had a lead Aaron Judge hit his 45th home run, and, and then they blew it late, gave, gave up a two-run homer, did a Abreu to Carlos Santana. It's, it's just been rough, but it was Yankees-Red Sox tonight in Fenway. They can erase everything, just beat the Red Sox. That's all they have to do. And things were going well for the Yankees. What do you know? Aaron Judge hit his 46th home run in the second inning, a towering shot out of the stadium over the Green Monster off Nathan Avaldi. Yankees were up 2-0 at that point. It was Judge's 100th RBI of the season, which for Judge now, that is the fastest to 100 RBI since at least 2013. He's absolutely raking 46 home runs um, in like, a, I think, 113 games. Only Barry Bonds, and I think he might be tied with Babe Ruth for how many, like 46 home runs in that amount of games. It's just ridiculous. On pace to break the 61 by Roger Maris, which would be the American League record. Um, he's not going to get to 73. It's just, there's no way. But it just, things were going well there for the Yankees, and her mom was pitching pretty well. And... I'm watching the beginning of the Jets game, first drive. Jalen Hurts is looking good. First play of the game, he rolls out. Quinn and Williams is chasing him, and he completes a 16-yard pass up the sideline. And they're going down the field. It's third down. He scrambles out of bounds, and one of the Jets players, one of the linebackers, hits him, smashes him helmet to helmet, laid out of bounds. Then Jalen Hurts runs it in for a touchdown. He starts dancing. It's called back for a holding. Very next play, he finds Dallas Goddard wide open, and he runs into the end zone. Jets are down 7-0. Jalen Hurts goes 6-for-6, six six, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Zach Wilson overthrows. First, first play, they come out, cookie cutter, typical Jets offense, under center. They hand off to Michael Carter like one-yard gain. Very next pass, he drops back like two steps, is totally flat-footed, tries to throw off his back foot because he's under pressure, overthrows his receiver, um, not even really close. He, he, it should have been an easy few-yard completion or whatever, five-yard completion. And then his very next pass, I believe he completed on the third and nine. Nice ball to Conklin. He was wide open, got the first. And then his next pass promptly throws an interception, stares down the receiver, gets picked off. Terrible throw. Eagles go up 14 nothing. Next possession, what happens? The pocket breaks down. 
Um, tight end, I think, got blown up on this play. And Zach Wilson scrambles, uses his feet, gets away. Good job. Starts running up the sideline. Instead of going out of bounds, he tries to juke and cut. Takes a, uh, Plants his right foot and then dives forward a little bit to the left. He's totally untouched. He rolls over. Should be a routine play, except his teammate goes to help him up and he can't really get up. He starts limping and limping and then he goes down. And they have to go to commercial. When they come back, you just see Zach Wilson walking off the field by himself. Doesn't appear to truly be limping or anything. He looks fine with two trainers next to him. Uh, for what it's worth, the Jets ended up coming back. They won this game late um, 21-17 or whatever the final was. Like it matters. And now there's speculation that Zach Wilson tore his ACL. First preseason game, first action of the season, and you're going to tell me this guy probably tore his ACL. And as soon as it happened, I'm like, here we go. It's his knee. Couldn't be anything else. It wasn't the ankle. It was obvious. And I just assume the worst because it's the New York Jets, and this is what happens. And earlier in the week, we lost Makai Becton for the season. He he broke his kneecap or whatever the hell happened there. It's just ridiculous what is going on, what has been happening to this franchise since 2009 and 2010 when we went to the back-to-back AFC championship games. We're an absolute dumpster fire. And so Robert Salas spoke after the game. He really said that from what he's heard from the doctors, the ACL is supposed to be intact. My good friend Priyank, who's been on this show, who is a practicing doctor, he's in his residency right now in New York, he tore his ACL when we were playing basketball one time. And the doctor did the initial test before the MRI because there's a, a test you can do right on the spot. And he told him his ACL was intact. The MRI showed a complete tear of his ACL and MCL. So this test doesn't mean anything. So now Robert Sala said he's not going to say anything because he's over. Every time there's an, a major injury, he says that it's not that bad from what he's initially told. And then it comes back and they're out for the season. So we're going to find out tomorrow when Zach Wilson gets an MRI. He's limping around the locker room from what I'm hearing from reporters. And yeah, if you tear your ACL, you can walk on it. Um, because Priyank walked on his ACL like nothing was wrong for like a week or so before he decided to go to the doctor because he said it felt loose and it was just not right. And yeah, so we'll wait and find out tomorrow and see what happens. But I have no doubt in my mind that we're probably going to lose Zach Wilson for the season. And the Jets keep talking about, oh, Joe Flacco, he, he, he's an NFL quarterback. He's a starting quarterback. He's a really good quarterback in this league. Are we really about to watch Joe Flacco for 17 weeks 16 games of this season. I can't. I just can't. If Zach Wilson is done for the year, we have to blow this thing up, trade for Jimmy G, and start from scratch. And if you don't decide to trade for Jimmy G, this has to be a full-on tank job. Absolute tank job. Joe Douglas needs to be fired, and you need to draft a new quarterback. I'm done. I'm done. I cannot deal with this franchise and the mediocrity and the incompetence incompetence. And that doesn't even get me back to what happened at the end of this Yankees game when Araldis Chapman in a 2-1 game throws 11 pitches in the eighth inning and is wheeling and dealing. And then in the ninth inning, you bring on a struggling Clay Holmes who can't throw strikes and has been awful. And I have no confidence in him. And what does Aaron Boone do? He brings in uh, he brings in Clay Holmes instead of rolling out Chapman yet again. And he gets the first out fine Devers and then he walks the next two batters and it just gets worse and worse and worse JD Martinez comes up two for three base hit up the middle tie game had to take Clay Holmes out Wandy Peralta comes in gets a strike out of Hosmer we get out of the inning Arroyo lines out to short we go to the 10th Glaber Torres comes up second and third he has been so bad of late where is the Yankees hitting coach? Where is anybody that's supposed to have knowledge with this team? Glaber Torres is pulling his whole front side open and he's cheating for an inside pitch and he's trying to pull the ball. 
ever since that 30 home run season, it's really all he's been doing. Um, thankfully for the short porch, it's been able to mask him pulling off the ball and he's been able to, you know, punch it over that wall a little bit, but it's, it's been going on for over a year. I see it every time he swings the bat, he's pulling open. He's essentially stepping out and his whole front side is opening up too quickly. So anything on the outer half, he's already pulled open and he can't stay through the ball and, and hit it solidly through through contact and hit it up the middle or hit it to the opposite field with any power and he's just swinging and missing all over he's got no confidence i don't know if there's anyone that was left on the bench but i would have pinch hit him in that situation so the yankees don't score for for yet another extra inning and they go into the bottom of the tent and trevino uh gives up a game-winning hit it's just and the yankees blew a game and lost to the Boston Red Sox yet again. It is now the seventh game that the Yankees have failed to score, the seventh extra inning that the Yankees have failed to score in. Do you know how hard that is to do since they implemented the ghost runner? That's now tied for the longest streak since they implemented the ghost runner. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous, which that, that was two years ago in 2020. It's the ghost runner was implemented so extra inning games end quicker and the Yankees can't score. They were what one for nine with runners in scoring position today. They are now two and eight in the month of August. The Mets have a better record than the Yankees right now. The Astros, I believe they were tied, probably have a better record now than the Yankees for the number one seed. Like th this is an epic disaster for my teams. And then of course that the, I didn't even want to bring this up. The Kevin Durant news, he meets with Joe Sy and he gives them an ultimatum. Oh, uh, Sean Marks and Steve Nash got to go. Um, if I'm going to consider staying and then Joe Sy, who's a billionaire owner has to go and put it on social media that they have the full support, the coaching staff and the Nets organization has his full support. Uh, the, my teams are an absolute dumpster fire. It, it's, it's so bad. So by the time you listen to this, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, or sometime next week, whatever it is, um, you'll probably by now know that Zach Wilson either tore his ACL or didn't, but he's probably going to miss extended time. And this is just another example. You drafted a guy out of BYU whose biggest game that was nationally televised was against Coastal freaking Carolina, and you didn't even win that game. You lost to Coastal Carolina's quarterback, that kid McCall or whatever the hell his name is, that's supposed to be, you know, that you're supposed to be so good and you couldn't even beat that kid. Although he he is um, rising up boards and, and could possibly be a, uh, a, a, a serious NFL quarterback prospect. We'll see how this year goes. But uh, Grayson McCall, I think, is his name. Whatever. That's not the point. The point is you drafted a guy at a BYU thinking he was, what, the next Steve Young? Uh, I mean, this is BYU we're talking about. <sighs> I, I just can't with this organization. You drafted Makai Becton, possibly the biggest player in NFL history, who everybody said this dude loves to eat more than he likes loves to play football. And all he's been since he got here was get hurt. He's played in about eight games since he's been here. And two picks after you took Makai Becton, the Tampa Bay Bucks took Tristan Wirfs, who was an all pro last year, a player out of Iowa who breeds tight ends and linemen. And you took a guy out of Louisville who is not known for line. Like, this is what I'm, this is what I laugh at. You take USC quarterbacks left and right. Now you take a BYU quarterback when these guys are known to not pan out. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. They should have a sweepstakes, a, a raffle, and whoever wins can can run the New York Jets organization. I just can't. I can't. We, we're 15 minutes in almost, and I'm ranting about my teams and about tonight, and I didn't even get to start the, the show. We haven't even started. I'm going to take a deep breath. And we're going to go from here. Okay. Now that that's over with, let's get to last night. Opening night 
of preseason, starting with the Giants and the Patriots. That's always fun. You know, Giants, two Super Bowls over the Patriots. They ended up beating them again in this game. Um, but I want to talk about the Ravens and Titans game first. Malik Willis making his debut for the Titans. Of course, the, the quarterback out of Liberty. Got a little bit to prove. Kenny Pickett being the only quarterback drafted in the first round uh, to the Steelers. So, uh, but the 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 big the big um, storyline in going into this game was, and I was telling a lot of people about this. The Ravens going into this game last night had won twenty straight preseason games. Twenty straight. Do you know how many years that is? The streak started in 2016. The average margin of victory is 12.9. So we're not talking about the spread. If you want to talk spread, they're 19 and two against the spread in those games, but they have won 20 straight. And after last night, because they did end up winning that game, 23 to 10, it was 21 straight. So they're 19 and two against the spread. They covered it last night. They're five and one in their last six season openers too, so that's something to keep in mind. As uh, I believe they play the Jets in Week One, if I'm not mistaken, because I've been seeing a lot of speculation that Joe Flacco is going to face his former team in the first uh, game of the season. Yeah, the Jets play the Ravens, so that's the Ravens are going to win that game. That's the number one lock of Week One as of right now, easily. Um, so yeah, five and one in their last six season openers. They'll cover the spread in that one. Um, the closest call they had for this streak was actually back in its first year in 2016. They won on a two-point conversion pick six to give them the one-point win. It's just incredible. If the Ravens win the next two preseason games, they'll tie the longest regular season streak in NFL history, which was accomplished by the 08-09 Colts, who, no big deal, my Jets knocked off twice that season, including the playoffs. I believe they were 15-0 and when the Jets knocked them off, although I don't believe they played the starters. And then they went into the playoffs, and that's when the Jets won it on a field goal to knock off Peyton Manning. That was the last time my Jets were really any good, those back-to-back -back years. But it ended in disaster in the AFC Championship game, of course. Um, but... I want to talk about Malik Wilson, uh, Willis for a quick second. Uh, he actually looked pretty good. He went, um, let's see, he went 6 of 11 for 107 yards and scrambled with his legs for a nice little touchdown. I have the audio for that. It was his first touchdown of his young NFL career, so take a listen to that real quick. To the backfield, Willis runs to the right, chase to the left. He's going to try to run for the corner. He's got to squeeze in for the touchdown. Stephen Means was tracking him down, but he okey-doked him on the way. Yeah, it really showed, showcased his athleticism. He started to roll out to the right. It, he realized nothing was there, and then he just peeled it back left, and he had a nice little uh, jump cut juke right at the end to get himself into the end zone. So very, he is a very athletic and gifted uh talented player in that respect so we'll, we'll see if it translates of course they have ryan Tannehill there still um but he's still considered probably a stopgap. this is uh they didn't draft malik willis in the second round for nothing he's the future not ryan Tannehill. and after they traded aj brown i think this could be the last year of ryan Tannehill. so we'll see how that how that pans out um now we can talk about the uh, New York Giants and Patriots game. This was the first game of the actual preseason. The, we had the Hall of Fame game a couple weeks ago, but this was actually the first game of the preseason, Giants-Patriots. Interesting to see. There's speculation, of course, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. He's been very criticized in recent years. I don't know why. Yes, he hasn't played up to, you know, par or as good as he should for a starting quarterback, but he's also had different coaches, different systems, and this year is no different. He's had a terrible O-line. He's had poor wide receiver play the whole nine, um, but he's supposed to, this offense should excel. Brian Dayball, uh, you know, and Mike Kafka, it's a new offense. So it was, 
interesting. We wanted to get to see last night a little bit of that. He played a couple series. He went 6 of 10, 69 yards, passer rating of 80.8. That's pretty good. Nothing, you know, to write home about. Um, but again, exactly why he shouldn't receive all of the blame. Kenny Galladay, since signing his four-year $72 million deal last year, has been a colossal failure. The O-line is has been an issue, as I just stated. He was under pressure last night, and almost every time he dropped back, it looked a little like Zach Wilson tonight for the five plays that we saw him. Um, so, And then Kenny Galladay dropped a pass in the red zone. So this is not all on him. The defense should be pretty decent. But it's going to be interesting to see. And, and then, of course, Saquon has barely played. And when he has played, he's looked like a shell of his rookie self. So we'll see. Uh, Dayball has his has his work cut out for him. Um, I'm interested to see in this NFC East where where the Giants fit in and if Daniel Jones can't. I mean, pressure's on him because this is a contract year. If he plays really, really well, then he'll he'll get you know, a new deal and he'll continue to be the Giants quarterback. But if not, he's going to be booed out of New York City and he's going to be looking for a new job and a new team next season. Um, there was a slate of games on tonight. You had, let's see, you had, of course, Jets and Eagles. Um, there's a bunch of games on tomorrow as well. Let's see what else. Um you had the Falcons and Lions. This was a wild one that came right down to a last-second touchdown by rookie Desmond Ritter. He he scored uh, a touchdown to win the game for, for the Falcons over the Lions, 27-23. The Browns beat the Jaguars 24-13. Deshaun Watson actually started this game. He was getting booed a lot. Um, Jaguars fans were really were cursing him out. Um, he has come out. I think he came out and apologized too to these women that he hurt. Yada yada yada. He, he that's still the appeal is still ongoing. We don't know what his suspension will be, if it'll be upgraded or not, or if it's going to stand at six games. From what I'm reading in the tea leaves, it doesn't look like this appeal is going to work out in the NFL's favor, and he might just get a. Uh, six-game suspension. But Watson was one of five for just seven yards. Um, at, but the Browns did win. Jo Josh Dobbs uh, played pretty well, 10 of 13, 108 yards, a touchdown. Josh Rosen is on that team, mind you. Um, let's see, the Cardinals, that was a high-scoring game. Cardinals over the Bengals, 36-23. The 49ers beat the Packers, 28-21. to um, Interesting to see what the Packers are, go excuse me, 49ers are going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's we're still waiting again. Deshaun Watson, if he gets suspended, maybe you bring in a Jimmy G trade for him. Uh Trey Lance played a little bit in this game, four of five, 92 yards, threw a nice touchdown. It's his team now. He's got the keys to that offense. And then uh yeah, so that was the last game. Um right there. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight, nine, nine more games tomorrow, starting at one o'clock all the way up until there's a game, uh, Chargers Rams starting at 10 o'clock and then Vikings Raiders on Sunday. So games all weekend in that respect. Um, all right, we'll move on. All right. While those two preseason games were going on, Ravens and then the uh, Giants Patriots game, we had the second annual Field of Dreams game going on over on Fox between the Cubs and Reds. I don't imagine too many people tuned into this one. Of course, last year we had Yankees White Sox. So, of course, Yankees are a huge national draw no matter where you look. Uh, this year, Cubs Reds, they're both two bottom feeder teams in rebuilds, essentially. I didn't really pay much attention to this, uh, but the Cubs did win this game. However, all anybody's talking about is this creepy seventh inning stretch where they used a hologram or really a spokesperson said it wasn't so much a hologram as it was augmented reality or AR, you know, AR technology. Um, just 
super creepy. So if you didn't see it, go look it up. They used Harry Carey. Um, you know, he made famous his rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game that he used to sing. He died in 1998, of course, the old Cubs announcer. And it looked so lifelike and so real. And they showed him up in the booth with the microphone and singing along. And he looked so real. And it was a little bit creepy and a little bit disturbing. And my God, it was, I don't know how to feel about it, but I couldn't stop watching it either. Very, very weird. So if you didn't get a chance, go watch that. There was also another cool moment that uh, was on display. Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. came out of the cornfield before the game. And Griffey Jr. says to his dad, hey, dad, you want to, you know, have a catch? And then he says yes. And then he gives his son a glove and they start to have a catch. And then all these little these kids come running out of the cornfields as well. And they start having a catch. It was a cool moment. Of course, um, why were the Griffies involved in this? Because it was the Reds playing both Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. played for the Reds at one point in their careers. And then, of course, both of them played together for about two seasons with the Mariners in 1990 and 91. Um so that's why they were present there at the Field of Dreams game. So it was that was a cool moment as well. Um, interesting trade that sent Dolphins tight end Adam Shaheen to the Texans. However, a little awkward, Shaheen failed his physical with Houston. So he is back with the Dolphins, a team that apparently doesn't want him, that they tried to trade him away. So the 27-year-old... Um, yeah, is staying put in Miami where he's been for the past two seasons and hasn't missed a single training camp practice. Well, pretty sure he's due some PTO after that all went down. All right, the Seattle Mariners get a little bit of a boost in the in the return of J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez, their Rookie of the Year candidate or front runner who's been out since July 30th when he was hit by a pitch in the wrist. He's just 21 years old. He's batting 271 with 18 home runs. And the Mariners, quite frankly, are having an incredible season. They are, I believe, as of right now, yep, Seattle holds that, that first wild card spot. They're 62 and 52. Let's see. They just beat the Texas Rangers tonight. Let's see how J-Rod did. He, there you go. First game back, two hits. He was two for four with two RBIs and a walk. So an immediate impact right there at the top of the lineup. They are two games up on Toronto and the Baltimore Orioles who beat the Rays tonight are now in sole possession of that third wild card spot, half a game up on Minnesota and Tampa Bay. It's the first time since I want to say 2016 when Buck Showalter was the manager and they won a wild card uh, spot and they they made the playoffs. So it's just an incredible season. They are 59 and 53. They traded away Trey Mancini and they're still killing it. Just incredible. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. Just wild. But yeah, back to the Mariners, I would not want to face them. They took the season series from the Yankees. I was at one of those games at the stadium that the Yankees lost. Uh, first time since 2002, first time in 20 years that the Mariners have taken a season series from the Yankees. They have really good pitching. They traded for the best available starter at the free at the deadline in Luis Castillo. They have Robbie Ray. Uh, they're, they're not a team to mess with. And now that they have J-Rod back, forget about it. I would not want to face this team. They're not going anywhere. They will make the playoffs, and they're going to be a scary team to face. All right, um, a legend just got a contract extension. One Tom Izzo, the legendary Michigan State basketball coach, has agreed to a five-year rollover contract that includes non-performance-related compensation of $5.92 million per year, including a $2.43 million base, which is up from his initial $430,000 base from his 2018 contract. So his total compensation, including additional benefits, all adds up to a value of approximately $6.2 million per year. 
and it's well-deserved because in 27 years in East Lansing, he's amassed an astounding 666 wins to just 267 losses. He became the all-time winningest basketball coach in Big Ten history with his 663rd win over Maryland on March 7th, which passed him over Bobby Knight for the record, which anytime you pass Bobby Knight, that's some feat in and of itself. He's a three-time Big Ten Coach of the Year and was enshrined into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016. All right, last week I spoke on the passing of the great Bill Russell. Well, this week the NBA came out and announced that they will be retiring his number six jersey. He will be the first player to have his number retired across the entire league. However, um, there's a bunch of players that are currently wearing the number six, including LeBron. Those players will be grandfathered in so they can continue to wear it, much like when MLB retired Jackie Robinson's 42 and Mariano Rivera was the last one to wear that until he retired. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if more than a few of these players decide, okay, this is a bigger than me. I'm not going to continue to wear this jersey and they switch their numbers. I'm curious to see what LeBron does. I don't think he'll, he'll change jersey numbers, um, but I think some of these lesser you know, players will change numbers. But it's a long time coming. I'm surprised they're just getting to retiring his number now when, when he died. Um, another legend is bowing out of of their respective sports. Serena Williams announced in a Vogue cover story Wednesday that she will retire after this year's U.S. Open. She said there's no happiness in this topic and stepping away from the sport is the hardest thing that I could ever imagine. She does turn 41 next month and said she and her husband do want to eventually have another child, which was a big time factor in her decision. She did go on to say, too. Um, that she disappointed, that she should have won more majors and she should have broke the record. Um, so we'll see. And and actually, she since announcing the retirement, she actually lost, I want to say either today or yesterday, her first match since announcing that retirement. Okay, more bad news for Chris Sale. The Red Sox ace was already on the 15-day IL after taking a liner a couple weeks ago off the bat of Aaron Hicks and breaking his pinky finger. Well, he had just finished a throwing session on Saturday and decided to, you know, after he went home, he's like, ah, I'll, I'm going to ride my bike to go grab, uh, you know, some lunch near my house. He ends up hitting something going down a hill flies off his bike and fractures his right wrist. He is now done for the remainder of the season. This is insane. He's in the third year of a five-year, $145 million extension. He missed all of 2020 and much of 2021 recovering from Tommy John surgery. He's made just 14 starts between the regular season and postseason across the first three seasons totaling just 57 and a third innings. So if you're keeping track at home, that works out to about $1.5 million per inning. Oh my God. Insane. All right. The three live golfers who fired a temporary restraining order to be able to compete in the PGA Tours FedEx Cup playoffs, which started yesterday, lost the motion in court. A judge ruled in part the trio would not suffer because they had been compensated so well by the rebel circuit. And I quote, this is not a case where the plaintiffs, the three bringing the TRO, would be restricted and unable to play golf, the judge said at the start of the hearing. They certainly have the opportunity with Liv and have availed themselves of that opportunity. She leaned on the law that private associations like the PGA generally get to make their own rules without judicial interference. And while this case was only about the FedEx Cup, the judge strongly hinted that she saw flaws in the larger antitrust case 
filed by Phil Mickelson and company. So that's, you know, something that we'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. Okay, here's an interesting one. The Big Ten is in a little bit of a media rights uh, mishap, or, or they're trying to f get a deal for their media rights. And they lost a major partner in ESPN this week. The network said no to the conference's final offer of a seven-year deal worth $380 million annually. In addition to Fox, which had locked up Big Ten rights months ago, the conference is now likely to partner with both CBS and NBC. And all this sounds like to me is that I'm going to struggle each week to figure out what channel Rutgers is playing on and the rest of the Big Ten games. Disaster. Okay, um, you always hear and see things in the minor leagues that you just can't believe. There's the Savannah Bananas. They come up to the plate with bats on fire and they do all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, here's one you don't hear of every day. Former MLB pitcher Nelson Figueroa, who is now the pitching coach for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, came on to pitch for his team during a doubleheader as an emergency pitcher because they had no pitchers left. Incredible. Figueroa, at 48 years old, promptly tossed a seven-inning complete game, amassing 119 pitches. He did, however, allow 10 runs, and he struck out four batters. Incredible. These pitchers in today's day and age can't go more than five innings and 100 pitches, and the guy is 48, and he ran out there and threw a 119-pitch, seven-inning complete game. I'd like to know how he's feeling today. or even a few days after pitching. Just ridiculous. Okay, some more golf news, some eh, sad news. Uh, Nick Faldo, Sir Nick Faldo, signed, signed off for the final time on Sunday uh, after 16 years of wearing the headset for CBS. He said goodbye during the final round of the of Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro, North Carolina. This was this got very emotional. Um, the six-time major champ was honored with a plaque behind the ninth green on the club's wall of fame where he joins the likes of Charlie Sifford and Arnold Palmer. The clip is about two and a half minutes, so I'm going to play it at the end of the episode um, just because I'll just, it's better if I play it as pretty much the outro and let you guys go with that. Um, I'm actually kind of at the end. I, I got through that pretty quickly. Uh, we'll get to On This Date in Sports in a minute. There's some other stuff that I want to just uh, pop on my phone here and check out real quick. Um, oh, duh, the biggest, the biggest news story of the day that I failed to mention, San Diego Padres superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. has been suspended 80 games for violating um, the PED policy. He tested positive. So a test sample he submitted, here, here's the statement that, that he uh, put out there. And this sucks because, of course, the Padres went all in, traded for Soto, got Brandon Drury, got Josh uh, Bell, and they stacked themselves. And then they promptly got smoked by the, by the Dodgers, and they hadn't won a game. They lost five straight since the opening game that Soto played in and uh, they had been in a slump and then they won a couple games, but uh, they, they're never going to catch the Dodgers who, by the way, just won their 11th straight game tonight. But so, so they were about to get Fernando Tatis Jr. back uh, within the next week or so. And then boom, he tests positive for PEDs. So here's the statement. I have been informed by major league baseball that a test sample I submitted returned a positive result for a Clostable, a banned substance. It turns out that I inadvertently took a medication to treat wingworm that contained the substance. I should have used the resources available to me in order to ensure that no banned substances were in what I took. I failed to do so. So this is much like what happened to DeAndre Hopkins. Excuse me. A lot of these players get these over-the-counter medications or something that gets prescribed by a doctor. They think nothing of it. They take it, then they get tested randomly or whatever, 
and it comes back and boom, they're hit with a suspension. This one though is a big one, 80 games. So he will miss the rest of this year, the playoffs and some of next year. It's a huge blow for the Padres. Um, he's had a shaky off season or as it is lied about a motorcycle accident and an injury related to it with his wrist. It, it, he hasn't played at all this year and now he'll miss the entire year. And so from what a lot of what I'm seeing on, um, uh, Reddit is with this is that people that have had ringworm have been prescribed stuff like these ointments. And they said, there's no way, um, a steroid of this magnitude should be in this. But from what others are saying, it looks like in other countries, they prescribe these ointments that they prescribe do have some steroids in them, including this. So why he's getting this in another country, I don't know why, I don't know. He shouldn't be in another country, but a lot of these players, when they're hurt or not playing, they go home to their countries and you can't monitor them 24 seven and you hope that they make the right choices and use their resources available to them. And they usually don't. And it's bad for the game and it's bad for the Padres. And this is a huge, huge blow to a team that, that was going all in to win a Super Bowl. It's just ridiculous. Um, I spoke about Deshaun Watson starting the, the Browns preseason game tonight. You know, uh, he publicly apologized, I think for like the first time now, and and said he's truly sorry to the woman he's impacted. Um, let's see. Uh, Kyler Murray called some plays, put the headset on and called some plays for the Cardinals. I wonder if that's why they put up 36 points. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I saw this earlier today. Um, Messi was left off the ballot for the uh, Bayonne Dior um, list, however the hell you say it, um, for, for the best soccer player or footballer in the world. Uh, first time since tw uh, 2005 that he hasn't been on the list. It's a 30-man list. Uh, it's, a, it's shocking to me that he wouldn't be on this list as one of the 30 best soccer players. Um, the contenders were announced by France Football on Friday. So, yeah, that's a big deal. And here's a really cool story. Ber uh, Winton Bernard made his Major League debut with the Colorado Rockies after spending 10 seasons in the minor leagues. How cool is that? A decade after he was drafted by the San Diego Padres, uh, he wasn't that late of a, of a draft pick. He was, uh, I don't think, but anyway, he singled, stole a base, and scored in his debut, helping the Rockies beat the Diamondbacks 5-3. to three. He, He's 31 years old. That, see, see, that's a grind, man, because you, you, we've heard stories since the pandemic of how little these guys are making. So to go and grind it out for 10 years in the minors before getting called up, most guys would have quit by now. So that's an awesome, awesome story. Um, another story I wanted to bring up, the Toms River Little League team was in the championship of the Metro, the Metro final. One went away from getting to the Little League World Series, and they were actually no-hit by the kids from uh, Massapequa, so Long Island team there is headed to the Little League World Series. So keep an eye out for the, in the next couple of weeks because um, the Little League World Series from Williamsport will be starting. And if you've never been out there, you got to check it out. I went uh, a handful of years ago with my dad. We took the trip out there, and it was a cool experience. Let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I there was, you know, a, there were some some things I I kept out, um, just for time restrictions, and then all sorts of craziness happened tonight between the Yankees and the Jets and everything else. That my brain is a little bit fried. I've still got a little bit of a headache. I've got some acid reflux stuff going on. Um, on a side note, I played golf the other day. Uh, beat my dad by eight strokes. Really really beat him up. Uh, he only beat me on like one or two holes. I shot an 86. Could have done a little bit better, but 
I have not been playing great over the last month or so. So it was a it was a welcome sign that I that I did as well as I did. So the more you play, the more you improve. It's a very fun game. Uh, my brother called me up. He finally broke a hundred today, which he was so excited about. And uh, so you know, it's fun. It's the summer. If if you don't play golf, you're missing out. Uh, people that that say they hate it or it's boring, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So. Um, I highly encourage anyone to get out there and play, especially this time of year. Um, I, I think that's really all I have. I, I kind of breeze through this thing um, quickly. Of course, um, you've got Yankees and Red Sox throughout this weekend. More, like I said, preseason games. Uh, I don't know what else, what else there is. John Calipari is making headlines for some comments that he made. He wants a new... I guess like facility. He wants a, a like a, a multi million dollar facility that that could house like a sports science program there and all sorts of crazy stuff. And he says if the school don't pay for it, he's going to get his former players that are in the NBA now to, to to help pay for it because he said the roof's been leaking and he's had to stop practices for you know for it and they're not helping. And then he put it, kindly put his foot in his mouth and said that in an interview that this is a basketball school. No disrespect to the football program, but Kentucky is a basketball school. And then he went on to say Alabama and Georgia, those are football schools, but Kentucky is a basketball school. To which Mark Stoops didn't take too kindly to that. And then he said the last four years, pretty much, it's been all about Kentucky football because they've been to four straight bowl games. And what has Kentucky done? So now you've got Mark Stoops going at Calipari on Twitter, just not a good look all around. Um, so yeah, all right, that's gonna wrap this thing up. I finished it much quicker than I thought I would. I apologize if there's anything that I missed. Um, okay, for before I go, go the captain. I want to say I don't. I think it finished episode seven and eight either finished or it's going to finish this weekend on Sunday, maybe. Um, a League of Their Own just launched on Amazon Prime. It's a new show, I believe, uh, a reboot from from the great uh, movie, which, by the way, was the first movie I ever saw as a baby, as I'm told. Um, what else? What else? What else? Five Days at Memorial came out. That's not a sports-related movie, but that's on Apple TV+. Plus. There, there's uh, Lock and Key season three just came out. I'm looking forward to that. There's a lot of good movie and and, and TV out there. I just uh, saw on Netflix. I got to watch it. It's three episodes, a documentary series called I Just Killed My Dad, something like that about this kid who killed his father. I, I guess there was years of abuse and the kid was like abducted, some crazy stuff. But anyway, there's a lot out there to consume each and every Friday as new stuff comes out and these streaming services compete with each other. Um, but rather than ramble, I'll get to the last segment on this date in sports. August 12th, 2016, Michael Phelps won the 200-meter individual medley to pass the USSR's Larissa Latinia for most career individual Olympic medals all time. It also marked Phelps's fourth consecutive gold medal in the event insane and i'm not going to forget oh another thing uh marshawn lynch was arrested for suspicion of a dui in vegas i saw part of the video where he's looking super wasted or was sleeping i don't know and the, the officers are like all right enough is enough and then they just pull him out of the vehicle throw him on the ground and handcuff him and tell him why he's being arrested and whatnot just amazes me how these athletes continue or former athletes continue to get behind the wheel when they've been drinking. I would never drive a day in my life if I was a millionaire and I was a professional athlete. I would have a professional driver. I would have a professional chef that just cooked for me every day. I'd be the laziest mofo on the planet and just worry about doing my job and playing my sport. It's it's incredible that these guys just j just don't understand that. I don't get it. Like, 
it's baffling to me. It really is. Uh, but with that being said, guys, I am going to end it here and sign off with that video or audio that I promised uh, of Nick Faldo signing off for the final time with CBS. If you're a golf fan, this is a sad one. It's going to be tough to watch him go, but um, yeah, it is what it is. The man wants to retire and go live in Montana. And that's that. So without further ado, guys, this is the Pody signing off. I'll talk to everybody next week. Hope you enjoyed episode 181 of This Week in Sports. You said one time, I'm not very often at a loss for words. I am now, except just to say, Nick, um, your final thoughts on this remarkable run. I blew it. You got it, mate. That was already. It's been always, a great journey. You've always been ready, mate. We've been lucky. Mm -hmm. We've been very fortunate. 16 Thanks. years. People only knew. Hang on. The time that um, you get breathe. to spend together. Say you breathe. Yeah. Five yeah. seconds breathing. Okay. You got this. So I was in a boat in Ireland. And uh, they gave me a call and said, how would you like to sit next to Jim Nance? And literally fell out the boat. I really did. <laughs> there was 206. And here we are. 16 years later. <laughs> it's been an amazing run. Mm -hmm. And um, Frank, Ian, I know you have a final word too to say to this great man. Yeah, it's been uh, an amazing 16 years. It's been 40 years since we've known you and uh, yeah. lots of uh, water under the bridge and Maybe a lot more water flying down that East Gallatin River up in uh, Montana. Breathe, the fly breathe, right. breathe. Looking forward to it. Nick, if it's about loving this great game. Yeah. You Thanks to all the crew. You're the, as I affectionately and respectfully call you the workers. They put the pictures out. We do the rattling. We have an easy job. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. Yeah. Um, Means I'm a single child and I've found the 65 three brothers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Bless you. You can only see what was in this tower. Just surrounded by his CBS family and our families. Thank you, Nick, for gracing this booth and our lives. And now you and Linz will go to your happy place. To the big sky of Montana. Yeah. God bless you, Nick. I'm ready. Thanks, my friend. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready.